Episode 64, Why Reverence is Divisive. This might seem like a strange topic, but I think it is relevant if you've ever heard, and I think this is the way most people will describe a mass they've been to, they'll say it's either reverent or irreverent or not very reverent. And this isn't just a frivolous observation. There's a lot of importance to this word reverence. And actually, the more we understand what reverence is, the more we're able to discern why there's so much division in the church with regard to the liturgy, with regard to various theological disputes, with regard to morals. Reverence is not uh, necessarily the cause of these things, but it's an indicator. Although I, su- I suppose in some sense it is a cause because the way we, we carry ourselves in the things of God has an effect on how we think and how we act. So first, what is reverence? What is the definition of reverence? It basically means it's a virtue by which we show due honor to a person or a thing that has dignity. And of course, the higher the dignity, the more reverence is due. And reverence comes from, you know, the word revere, which basically is similar to fearing, to have a kind of awe and deference tinged with fear in the presence of something that is dignified or holy or great. You can speak in the, in the natural realm of having a reverence in the, in the presence of some great natural phenomenon. You're before a great beautiful mountain or looking up at the sky at night, you can feel a sense of awe and reverence because you recognize how great and beautiful this thing is. And so you are kind of brought to silence and you recognize that there's some kind of respect due to these things. So that's just like a a natural analogy. But on the supernatural level, of course, we're referring to our awe in the presence of God, the awe that comes from recognizing that God is infinite and we are finite, that God is the source of everything and without God we are nothing, that God is the source of all good things. So that should lead to a certain way we act in the presence of God. That might be the source of our reverence in the beauty of nature, that we recognize God is the source of this, and so we show respect to nature because God is the creator of it. But in a more specific sense, and in a more proper sense, when we are in the context of sacred things, properly speaking, in church, in liturgical worship, in devotional worship, that's when reverence is truly shown and ought to be truly shown because we are really in the presence of the one who made us. So we ought to be in the same way, brought to silence, to have awe and respect in the presence of the infinite, and of course have that tinge of fear, not because we're afraid God is going to kill us or anything like that, but because we recognize his infinite power contrasted with our profound weakness. So I think it's true that if you are a child brought up in liturgical worship that is very reverent in the sense that it's, it's grave and it's serious, recognizing the presence of God and what's happening at the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. If you're raised in the context of that liturgical worship, you're going to have a very different understanding of God, of sin, of mercy, even without being formally taught, than a child brought up in the context of a Mass that we characterize nowadays as more liberal, you know, the music is always upbeat. Perhaps there's a, you know, perhaps it's a guitar mass. There's a band. There's a lot of interaction, informal interaction between priest and the congregation. Your understanding of God and morals and sin and mercy are going to be very, very different than the former case, even without being formally taught. I think that's obviously true. And I think what proves it to be true is that 
a priest or any other adult that is taught the more lax theology, a more liberal understanding of morals, will naturally gravitate to such a mass. And someone that is taught very strict catechesis, orthodox teaching of the church, and has a well-formed conscience, will more often naturally gravitate towards a more reverent mass. So that seems to be a pretty clear indication that there's a relationship between reverence and our understanding of God and our morals. Now, I'm not making the point here that the Latin Mass is superior to the Novus Ordo Mass, even though I might have that opinion. My claim is simply about reverence, that if you are brought up in, or if you prefer a more reverent Mass, it's overwhelmingly more likely that you have or are striving to have a more orthodox understanding of church doctrine and her moral teaching. Now, of course, you can have someone that attends reverent liturgy be a terrible sinner, and you can have someone who attends less reverent liturgy be very holy. But I'm just talking about the principle here, that reverence is both the product of a proper understanding of God and his church and the sacraments and sin and our creatureliness, and reverence disposes us to a proper understanding of those things if we don't have them yet. So, for example, I might kneel out of a sense of reverence for God, recognizing my sinfulness. Or, I might want to have that understanding of God. I might want to understand God better and be more holy. So I force myself to kneel. And by doing that, I slowly and gradually take on a proper understanding of my creatureliness in the presence of God. This is just how things work. Being human, we're body and soul. And if you recall, when we talked about virtue, virtue is a habit. That means that if we want to acquire the virtue, then we just start acting that way. And eventually it becomes rooted in us. The same with reverence. It can either be a product of your proper understanding of God and your relationship to God, or it can be a way to dispose yourself to that. So this is why reverence in liturgy is so important, because it provides a way for those who have a proper understanding of God and their own sinfulness and God's greatness and his mercy and the overwhelming greatness of what's happening at Mass to express their reverence. And it also acts as a teacher for anyone from a small child to an uncatechized adult. An uncatechized adult who attends a reverent Mass probably understands the Church and her teaching and the truth of what's happening at Mass better than someone who might be very well catechized, but schooled in an irreverent liturgy. So it seems clear just from experience that there's a link between liturgical reverence and orthodox theology and understanding of the moral teaching of the church. And the reason there's a connection there is because if God is not feared and revered, if there's not reverence in the presence of God and there's no understanding of his greatness, uh, then sin is taken less seriously. If we don't have reverence for God, if we don't have a proper understanding of God as the source of all things, that he is infinite good and infinite truth, that he is truth itself, then why have reverence for anything else, like yourself or your neighbor? If you have a bad theology of Christ in the church, what we call like a low Christology, low Christology as opposed to high Christology, meaning you take as your starting point and your most important principle the fact that he was human, and usually you mean that, you take that to mean he was human just like us. So you will think reverence and devotion are kind of silly because God wants to be like us rather than make us like him. Rather than call us to something higher, God became just like us. 
And so why would he want us to bow before him or have fear? And that's why, you know, the word pious is kind of like a quasi insult now because it's an indication of a particular theology of Christ and his church. So if you have a bad theology of Christ and his church, you'll think reverence is silly. If you think reverence is silly and you have a bad theology as a product of that, then you're not going to take moral teaching seriously because God doesn't seem like anything too transcendent. Right? God just wants to be like you rather than make you like him. This is why discussions and disputes about liturgy are very significant. A lot of Catholics just think of liturgy as no big deal, but it's really the heart of what we do. It's where we worship God most properly and in the way he commanded us to in the Mass. So the way we celebrate Mass is not just an aesthetic choice. It's a theological and moral choice. And in most cases, you can't judge a book by its cover, but in the realm of liturgy, you often can. What I mean is, if you observe the way Mass is celebrated, or even the way that a church is adorned in a particular parish, you can almost always predict the overall ethos of that parish, what they believe generally about God and the church and the sacraments, what they believe generally about moral teaching and politics. It's not a perfect indicator, but it I would say more often than not, you can tell just by looking at the way a church looks, the way it's adorned or not adorned, and by the way Mass is celebrated, what in general people at that parish think about the church and about sin and mercy, etc. If, for example, the altar or the tabernacle are not the central focus, if the tabernacle is hidden somewhere, if there are no devotional spaces, if there's little adornment at all, if there's no visible crucifix or image of the Blessed Mother, all of these things can indicate, again, not perfectly, but can indicate the theological and moral beliefs of the pastor or of the parish in general. Now, of course, many people might be at a parish just because of location that doesn't adequately express their belief. And of course, you can still be very reverent and have great devotion even in the midst of a liturgy that doesn't express such reverence or devotion because reverence is primarily, not entirely, but primarily interior. What I'm saying is in general, these are indicators because we are human beings and we express our understanding of things externally and our external environment teaches us certain things. I think one interesting thing that you often hear about a reverend liturgy, and in particular those who are devoted to the traditional Latin Mass, is that it's criticized as being rigid. Now that's a strange criticism to make, but I think it shows the point about morals in particular. Because you have priests that are quote-unquote liberal that are just as rigid when they celebrate Mass. You know, they stick to certain ways of, of speaking and of doing things. But I think the criticism of rigid when it comes to reverence indicates a desire for flexibility, not in the liturgy only, but also morally and theologically speaking. They don't like the reverence of a reverent mass because it carries along with it certain truths that no, you can't change things given to us by God. Indeed, the liturgy, but also including moral truths and other theological truths. The desire for flexibility is what I think informs this criticism of being too rigid when you're participating in a, a reverent mass because that, that same criticism rigid is often applied to orthodox theologians, that they are too rigid, that they're not creative or flexible enough. It's a, a desire to not take fully what God gave us and to be able to mold it in some way or another in our own image. There's a desire that moral theology and, and 
the church's teaching on various things accommodate us more rather than call us to something greater. Like I said before, this is a product of having a low Christology, thinking that Christ came here just to be like us rather than pull us up to him. So that's why theology is important. And that's why liturgy is a bearer of theology, either for good or for bad. Another example of this liturgy-bearing theology is, I think if you were to take a poll, and perhaps polls like this have already been taken, but if there is a parish where one only receives Holy Communion on the hand and there's no one that receives on the tongue, and you were to poll or ask the parishioners about Christ's real presence in the Eucharist or about the teaching of the Church on the Eucharist, it will be overwhelmingly on the side of an improper understanding of the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist compared to a parish where everyone or most people receive on the tongue. A parish that does that will almost certainly have an overwhelming majority of people know the basic doctrine of Christ's real presence. And that's because to think we can handle the host in our own hands indicates a lack of understanding of what the Eucharist really is. You know, if someone hands us a precious heirloom or something very, very costly, we are very hesitant to handle it ourselves because we think it's something very valuable, very delicate. We don't want to mess it up or get it dirty, whatever. But if we think we can just handle the Eucharist casually, then that shows that we don't understand what the Eucharist is, who the Eucharist is, or it teaches us the wrong understanding of the Eucharist to think that it's something to be handled casually. It's much harder to misunderstand the Eucharist when you are observing externally very reverent gestures. It's much harder to think sin is okay when liturgy is very grave and the music is very transcendent. It's very hard to believe that the real sacrifice at Calvary is happening before our eyes when our surroundings are so casual and informal. So the bottom line is seek out a reverent Mass or make sure that you cultivate your own reverence in Mass. Thank you for listening to Catholic Daily Brief. Please become a member at patreon.com slash catholicdailybrief and share this podcast with your family and friends. Give a five-star rating and a good review. God bless.